Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast, your favorite place to hear news and discussion regarding card games, board games, and RPGs. This is a special podcast episode, a little bit different from our usual. My name is Jonathan Estes, and of course, I'll be joined by Will Keeler shortly. This week's episode, we are not doing our regular segments. We're not going to talk about news, Kickstarters, or things that we have been playing recently. We're also not going to be playing a game. Sorry about that. I know you all love those games. Instead, this episode is devoted exclusively to our personal picks for our top 10 board games from the year 2021. Big end of the year list. All these games are our favorite things that we played throughout the entire year. This is also being released as a video on our YouTube channel. So you are free to listen to this in podcast form, or you'll get the same thing. You'll get to see us and see some images of the board games as well. If you'd like to head over to our YouTube channel and check it out there. If you notice any slight differences in the audio, in the way that it sounds, that's why it's because we didn't record it in our usual way online. We did it live and in person. And again, you can go watch that if you'd like, or just keep listening and you'll get the entire thing right here in your feed. Very convenient. As usual, we want to hear from you. If you have opinions after hearing the episode, your favorite games of the year 2021, or any other questions or comments, send them to us. Our email address for the show is meeplegallery at gmail.com. You can join that Meeple Gallery, or you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash rollforcrit, uh, join our Discord, or you can rate and review us on iTunes, which is very nice of you, or you can just go to our website, rollforcrit.com, to find all our other videos, podcasts, and the full list of games that have been awarded our critical hit seal. But I won't keep you in suspense any longer. Here comes a lot of discussion and our full top 10 lists for our best board games of 2021. The year 2021 is coming to a close, and there's been some major big things happening in the world of board gaming. We've, of course, got Asmodee continuing to grow, some major hacks, but we're not here for news. We are here for our top 10 for 2021. We've been doing these lists at the end of each year for a while now, and of course, all the rules will still apply. We're each going to have our top 10, so really, a top 20. Though, if you've watched our previous lists, they're going to be pretty close. Yes, as you may know, there's there's often a lot of overlap because we often play a lot of the same board games. But And, of course, always have to give the same caveats that we didn't play every board game that was released in 2021. Mm -hmm. Even some of the ones that we had, maybe we didn't play as many times as we could have or wanted to. So there's going to be gaps. There's going to be maybe some things missing here and there. We can talk about some of that stuff at the end of the show. Yeah, in fact, odds are we're going to start off with this, but there might be some regrets and some other things at the show, so stay tuned past one. What's even more exciting about this episode, not only are we counting down our 10 personal favorite board games of the year, but each game that we add to our list is going to receive our critical hit seal. You can find the full list of critical hits games that we have put into these top 10 lists in the past at our website. They will be enshrined there as examples of games that we think are worthy of being called critical hits. In other words, games we really, really, really like. So we do start off with one game that does not get a critical hit seal. <laughs> it's it's our honorable mention. Mm -hmm. We each have uh, usually just one, but I don't know, depending on what sometimes there's loopholes or weird things that we do. A uh, game that doesn't quite make the list, but for some reason we want to highlight it and talk about it. Will, do you, have, you want to start? Do you have an honorable mention? I do. And my honorable mention is going to Bristol 1350. 
This is a game in which you're playing during the Black Plague and you are hopping from different carts, trying to make it out of the city, and you may or may not be one of the infected. Uh, this was a close one. I do think this is one you should still check out because to me, it's one of the few games I've seen that have very few successfully make it so when you transfer from one team to the other, you know, trader versus not trader, whatever you want to call it, that it doesn't feel bad. Got it. Yeah. Social deduction game, one of those facade games, book style mm -hmm. uh, boxes that are kind of neat. Okay. So Bristol 1350 for your honorable mention. My honorable mention is going to be a game that I think in other circumstances, in other timelines, other universes might've been my number one game of the year, but I feel that it isn't quite right personally for me to put it on my list. That game is unfathomable. I'm marking this as an honorable mention because it is heavily inspired by essentially a remake of Battlestar Galactica, mm -hmm. a game that I is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, so by that token, I, I do enjoy this game a lot, but I just feel like it's the same game enough that I don't feel comfortable putting it in my top 10. I actually almost had, I was going to say for honorable mention, but then felt a little cheating, was yeah. there was a whole group of categories this year that I almost wanted to be like, we've played them already and enjoyed them, but they <laughs> weren't different enough. Right. Now, this would be, because we've the example for this, and maybe I'm spoiling a little bit, would be something like Cartographer Heroes, which is mm. a, by its base game that... And I'm not counting the maps because those are all separate, like expansion. It's a standalone game. Yes, but it really is cartographers. And I love that game, but that one already has it. And I feel like Heroes just is that. Like yeah. it's yeah. not, there are some games that maybe are very, like share the bloodline, but are have different mechanics. This is something I could switch the boxes and you wouldn't know. And I think Unfathomable, while definitely theme wise is so different, falls into that too, because it is. The, uh, the yeah, I will say there are, I think, two games on my list that are kind of like new versions of older games, but there are also a few that I specifically left off because they are just so similar to other games I already no, that, liked. Uh, <laughs> we one, can talk about it yeah. maybe at the I end. I will say there is one that is like that on there for me that people would argue would, but because we never played the first, it was my first entry into it. <laughs> right, right. So uh, so there you have it. Those are honorable mentions, uh, Unfathomable and Bristol 1350. Now let's get into the actual lists itself. These are all critical hits. Now usually we go back and forth, so I I guess since I started with the honorable mention, do you want to start with your 10? I guess that's how it works. Yeah, we, of course we do it snake style. So I will begin with my number 10. Also, to anyone watching this, forgive us for glancing down at our phones a lot because we can't remember our own lists. So just that's just how it is. So uh, my number 10, it's, it, it's kind of perfect because it leads right off from what you were saying. Uh, I put Bristol 1350 as my number 10. Yeah, so the premise of this game is you are all, uh, it's during the time of the plague and you're trying to escape the city before you get infected. And you don't really start out on teams, but you can jump between different carts. And as you're moving along a track, whoever is in your cart, you're sort of working with temporarily. And you could try to get out and make sure you're all healthy, or maybe you get infected infected along the way and then you try to infect other people or you suspect someone else of being infected so you want to kick them out of your cart and they've done similar things in one or two of their other games uh, that are published in this mm -hmm. line uh, I really enjoy that mechanic of 
like jumping between yeah. the, teams kind yeah, of the, the pirate one and i'm blanking tortuga. tortuga yeah the problem with that one is i felt like there are so many different teams it was a little confusing this one like you're infected or you're not infected you get infected because you get numbered cards along the way and once mm. you hit it uh sort of like growl i think growl did the same. Growl, yeah, yeah their but, uh their western game is similar it does a similar thing too where you can and do that. to me it just works really well because there's a whole lot of management on your own like all right, I can get rid of this to not pass it. Or once you get infected, give it to other people. There are item cards you can do to mess around with the board. And it's a race as well, because once the la first cart leaves the town, you have, like, I think, one turn to maybe get out if you're close behind. And it becomes really funny at the end to see, did someone infected get out? Because then the infected win. If no one infected get out, then the non do. It just, <laughs> it, I think it has a lot of suspense. It's also not too long. It doesn't, I think, drag time out. So for uh, if you like hidden roll games, it's it's one to, to take a look at. And it's a, yeah, it's a hidden trader game that I think works well at it even has a solo mode. It also adapts for like two to up to, I think, maybe eight players, maybe more than that. I'm not sure. Maybe nine or something weird like that. But uh, it's one of those rare hidden roll games that I think you don't need to have eight people for it to function. Mm -hmm. So that's Bristol 1350. That's my number 10. What is the first one? in your list to what we're going to talk about. My number 10 is Dinosaur Island Rar and Right. This is part of the Dinosaur Island slash world universe that Pandasaurus has. In the in all of them, you are building a park with dinosaurs and people are going to die along the way. In the Rar and Right, you're not only just uh, rolling dice, picking things and writing them down, you're actually going to be drawing out your park. And this is the thing that really helped me push it over the edge. I loved how you can self-design the pathways were different and unlike I think a world there was I think a more of a you had more options and you really were going to probably try out different paths each time and come out with much weirder options depending on what goals were at what people you could have because those shift from game to game the soul mode was pretty solid the way that other players could affect if they decided not to let danger keep going I thought was very interesting and uh, for a roll and write it also was much bigger which um there was probably only one other one I could think of off the top of my head, which unfortunately is, uh, is not going to be on my list because it's going to be a, one of the regrets, if you know what I'm talking about. But because of that, that's why I really enjoyed it. And I think compared to World, I enjoyed it a bit more and why it made the list. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Dinosaur Island, Rar and Wright. Uh, it's definitely, as you said, novel for Roland Wrights in that it is not simplified. Mm -hmm. It's It gives you the whole package with the added fun of drawing a dinosaur path. <laughs> Honestly, that pathway is what I think pushed yeah. it over the top. Like it would have been even adding the other stuff is cool, but not enough. But I loved being able to actually have a grid and design this weird pathway that and like the, the different like things can get blown up and there are dead zones or maybe you can take a different route through there. It was, it's a lot of fun. I think in some ways that makes it feel even more so than uh, Island at least like you have your own personalized park that you're designing. Yes. You know? so it's more like when you actually play the same games, you have to like, right. it could be <laughs> two squares off to the left. It's not just connected here. Right. All right. So Dinosaur Island, Raw and right. Yep. And your number nine. Uh, my number nine is another, I guess this one's a flip and right. And that's super mega lucky, sorry, super mega lucky box. Got to right. make sure I say that right. You got it. This <laughs> is a flip and right game in which there is, you. everyone gets a de uh, these cards that have almost like a bingo board of numbers one through nine. And as you flip cards, you're going to mark down one of those numbers on one of the cards you have. And in turn, those could give you bonuses that have more energy to manipulate numbers or maybe another number. And it can sort of cascade effect. And I found this to be such a fun, small game 
that had so much going on. It can, it can't fit too many people, but you probably could. And it just was really silly and enjoyable to play with other people. Of course, dry race cards that you can write on and then erase are also something I just tend to enjoy because you don't have to worry about if you ever run out of paper. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. Better bingo. We, we call Honestly, it. yes. <laughs> it's bingo where you actually get to have choices. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah, there, there is something fun about deciding which, because you get those power-ups when you're choosing which row or column mm -hmm. you want to complete. And all the cards are very unique. So it's not going to be like his nine in the same place as my nine. So you will start spreading on going weird places. There are goals at the end of having stars for finishing cards, whether you finish them earlier or later. There's also going to be bonuses about these moons, who has the most moons or the least moons. And if you're playing more than two player, you have to decide, oh, you know what? I'm in the middle. As long as I don't lose points for having the least amount of moons. So I think for something so simple, has a lot of choices there and an easy one to have hit the table. So starting off with a very heavy roll and write and a very light roll and yes. write. <laughs> Two opposite ends of that, of the, uh, which just shows you how versatile roll and writes can be, which is something cool about the genre. Mm -hmm. And two roll and writes. So clearly that, you know, that's not going anywhere. That No, I think it's, it is going to be like deck builder, something we're going to, it's going to be with us for a very long time. And yeah. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. All right. So back to me for my number nine, as I will reference and make sure I don't forget it. My number nine is one that, I, I sort of crept up on me that I, I and how much I liked it more in retrospect almost. And my number nine is Picture Perfect from Arcane Wonders. This is a game we got to play at Gen Con and I had fun at the time. And as the year kept going, I kept thinking back on it more and eventually uh, did pick it up for myself to play more later. And Basically, the premise of this game is you are arranging figures behind a screen, little standees, and they are being placed on your board in different squares in different positions. And each character wants to be positioned in a certain way. So it might say they want to be next to this woman, or they don't want their face to be seen, or they don't want to be in the back row or the front row. They all It's sort of like this little logic puzzle. And at the end of the game, you are going to take an actual picture with your phone of it, and whoever meets most of the requirements of the different characters, which you don't know at the start, you're discovering those as you play, uh, is going to win the game and whoever has the best photo. There's some stuff in this game too that I haven't explored yet. There's like an auction mode and other things that add more depth to it. And it, I just think that I love a game that does something very new to me feels very fresh. Uh, I do love this, that kind of logic puzzle thing. I always enjoy that in a video game or a board game when that's something you can do. A lot of escape rooms or things like mm -hmm. that have stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and so having that, but also with this very different feeling kind of style, it feels like a party game, but you're also thinking logically. I think this is one that will stick around for me for a while. There are certain ways, this is one I was actually pretty sure was going to be on your list because there are games we know we need to experience or play because we everyone's talking about and like this is one that is likely to be on a list or at least everyone's going to talk about but then sometimes there's a game that you're sort of surprised that you may hear just like hey i need to pick this up or i need to buy it because i want it because no one's maybe no one's talking about. and i remember you mentioning like yeah i'm gonna get and I'm like oh wow that's interesting that you bring it up again <laughs> so, and i can see why because i definitely get that logic puzzle but what i think is cool is if you've ever done a logic puzzle it's just you because you're playing with other people you're going to pass clues around depending on so then there's this what clues do i give you that aren't that i don't think aren't as positive or useful for you yeah yeah so there's also that kind of meta game going on so i totally see where you're coming from with that plus there's a corgi 
There is a corgi. There is definitely a corgi. That's always a bonus. Uh, so picture perfect. That's my number nine. I think very unique, interesting game. I always it uses technology too. You know, it's not an app, but you do like take a picture. Well, it's a camera app. Yeah, that's true. I guess technically it's an app. Well, no, I guess you don't have to. You probably could get like an old phone. You could take a or Polaroid. Not an old phone. <laughs> One of those old phones where you couldn't even call people on it. It just, you know, you just pictures. Spin it. <laughs> what a weird phone that was back in the day. Uh, okay, so that's my number nine. Now, my number eight uh, is really heading into the big leagues. I think this is a potentially controversial choice, even for myself. My number eight is Descent Legends of the Dark. This is the technically the third edition uh, in the Descent line from Fantasy Flight, a dungeon crawler, fully cooperative game this time that heavily uses an actual app, the Descent app that you get with this. And if you ever played a dungeon crawler, that's what it is. You're moving minis around. You are rolling dice to attack. The app is telling you what's happening, where to go, what to do. You're, it's a campaign game, so you're going on quests, you're doing skill tests, all that stuff. And along the way, of course, you're getting new weapons, upgrades, and XP and everything like that. I, you know, I'm I'm just a sucker for these kinds of games, and, and I do really like the way Fantasy Flight does them. Uh, I don't think this is a perfect game. It can be pretty long, and there are some aspects that I don't know how well they work in terms of, I don't know, player balance and just downtime and stuff like that. Uh, but... I do really like the core mechanics of it. I like the original Descent. I like the move towards co-op, full co-op. And unlike I know a lot of people who this would never make their list, I do love app incorporated into games. And I think this one uh, is done pretty well, even though, you know, you are sure you're looking at an app all the time. But I I mean, it's got a line of sight tool. And for me, that's a big thing. (laughs) You and me are both very pro-app. I think we made that clear. I agree. And I like that they've done it in a way that can't, at least I find it would be very hard to do without an app. Like I'm very excited with the way you gather resources. It's not like you gain a wood card. No, it's like you find 20 leather, five of this, six of that. You know, I feels like you're actually going to do a little more video gamey style. Yeah. I do agree. I think it's rough around the edges in some places. I think that the missions, at least the ones we've played so far have, reasonable stopping points that could have been split into two maybe even if like you start again there but i i'm a fan of how they've taken out the mastermind for both like mansions of madness and this it feels not nearly as bad as one person's behind and just ruining it the, the thing or doesn't get to experience playing as the players so I can totally see how this makes the cut. Yeah, and also another thing I love about it is the terrain. Uh, I think they do a lot with what little there is. With just honestly not that many tiles and with these 3D trees and staircases, they really arrange them in such a way that, that feels like, oh, this is like a little dollhouse, a little diorama that is actually fun to look at and explore. And I think that goes a long way. I'll say another one of its um, – probably one of its biggest challenges is its competitor is – Owned by the same company as the Lord of the Rings game. <laughs> yeah, it's that that and Gloomhaven are really it's yeah it's it's big competitors. But yeah, so uh, yeah, Descent was my number eight. So my number eight is going to Maglev Metro. This is a, from Bezier Games. It is you are building the future train station, depending on which map, if if it's in New York or in Germany, and you're doing so by laying down these clear hexagons with lines that could be straights or curves, and you also have to pick up different passengers, and when you drop them off, you actually bring them to your board and allocate them to certain areas, 
And because of that, there was this such modular form of going like what you're going for. There are secret goals that you'll have to try to get points. Maybe you want to have the most red passengers. Maybe you need to have the shortest or longest track. And it was just one of those games I think visually is extremely appealing, but also the mechanics made sure it wasn't just a, a, a pretty game on the table. Yeah, what I loved about that game is the the personalization, the customization exactly. of your path. It really felt like for something that is a, a pick up and deliver game that right. you really build yourselves so differently, and you can switch on the fly because that's an option too. So I never felt like it was too much of like, well, I went all in on traveling fast, but that's not what I need right now. Mm -hmm. So I think it adds a lot there. And the single player mode, it's something I think partially because of what's been going on that I'm I'm learning to love a whole lot more if it has a solid single player mode in the, included in the game. Yeah. This has a good one that's really fun in a way to uh, compare a score that I at least I have not like easily beaten. I know last year it was a trend. I think this year it will be too that almost all, if not all of the games on my list had solo modes. And that's that's definitely big for me. That could be a big thing. You know what I want to do? I should have said this at the beginning. I kind of want to, I have a guess of what your number one will be. I want to like write it down and. <laughs> you know what? Let's, let's do that. I'll write down my number one for you as well. I think, yeah, I, I have a guess. And we'll, we'll see at the end. We'll see if we guessed correctly each other's. All right. So I had to write it down because, you know, otherwise I would lie yeah. <laughs> and just pretend. I, I guess I was going to write down like, all right, I haven't written here already, but <laughs> I have a whole mess of games here. Um, I forget. I have to click. To <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Now we're going we're staying with you for your number seven. So my number seven is when we start trending into things that are like there's a close to another one. But this is one where I think there's enough different things going on that it it's well a different version, not just a new coat of paint. And that's Dominant Species Marine. Uh, Dominant Species is a game when you're all about spreading across your species across the land before the Ice Age. This one, if you can't guess the title, involves oceans. And what it did is help streamline a lot of things, make things a little bit simpler to understand, you know, cutting a lot of the fat. Uh, I'm always a big theme of animals because they're prehistoric stuff, and I think this did a fantastic job and it was really fun to play. It is one of the long ones, but when it does hit the table, I'm excited for it. I will tell you right now. I'll be I'll be straight with you. I won't I won't save it the suspense. Uh, this is one that was a potentially on my list, and I I did take it off as one of the ones that I said ah, it's pretty similar. I think it's fair. There's this weird line, but I felt because they did a lot of very different stuff, in particular because the other edition is so far behind mm -hmm. that I was like, you know what? This was the really a big, heavy game that I just love to, when you want that kind of, you know, we're going to sit at the table, like Descent. Yeah. Uh, though this one's competitive. It's the one kind I like where there's a lot of the worker placement. There are some weird ways to move around and deal with troops and stuff. But, you know, you don't have a bunch of different weird ones that I felt like you did enough that I want to at least give it to put it on the list. It was yeah. enough for me. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad it's on your list because like it was definitely one I really enjoyed. And I do think it's a big improvement over the original game. I think I to me, that's the definitive yeah, version. And that's one of the things. It's almost like switching the box. You Like I said, you wouldn't know because it has it's so it, it, honestly, the other one is a bit clunky. Yeah, yeah. But this one, I think, did a lot for it that really helps it. So now it's my turn again? Yes. All right. All right. Back for Jonathan's number seven. <laughs> I just thought I'd say my name in case I forgot who I am. <laughs> uh, all right. My number seven. This is one that 
I don't know that I would have predicted uh, would be on my list. It's Vampire the Masquerade Rivals. Uh, this is based on the Vampire the Masquerade series, and Rivals is a competitive card game in the style of uh, LCG games like Netrunner or Game of Thrones, that sort of thing. Uh, it can be played 1v1 or as a multiplayer competitive setting, and everybody has their own vampires. They're sending them out trying to attack each other. You also have rivals and specific goals that will get you points, and there's a social element, and there's uh, cards that will have people voting and all kinds of other political intrigue that gets involved. This is not usually my like personal cup of tea uh, in terms of, you know, it's it's very competitive. It's cutthroat. It's you're getting up in people's grills. Oh, I was thinking more <laughs> just the deck building. Like, that uh, oh, that, I guess that too. That you know, I mean, LCGs, I like more than a tr trading. But yes, the fact that it's a heavy deck building mm -hmm. aspect. But I do think that the design that's there in that core alone, because that's that's yeah. my experience. It's just the core is uh, just a really solid, fun, exciting game. I agree. I feel that it does an amazing job with the political aspect in a multiplayer game with the way rivals are going up. I felt like when the table talk while playing it was very solid and it's kind of table talk you'd want to support, not just like, don't trust him. Hey, you know, a lot of yelling at each other. There was a lot more interesting bargains going on, especially with those vote cards whenever they hit and hidden schemes. Mm -hmm. And it did seem for the most part, barring like, I think one deck was a little bit weak to balance out if like it wasn't nearly as much dogpiling as Game of Thrones, which similar aspect, which is why I think it does a better job yeah. at it. Yeah. And Game of Thrones is another game that I really love, the uh, the Game of Thrones card game. Yeah, right? the Game of Thrones. I should that it's like LCG. Yeah, right. Which, which you can. This is an ECG <laughs> LCG. Very similar, right. but one's trademarked. <laughs> right. Yeah, which both are, again, like they're not the games that I'm personally going to go out and get into and start collecting. But when the occasion comes, somebody else has it on the table. I can't deny that I'm like, that's just a well put together game. You know, mm -hmm. it's a good game. So that's uh, my number seven, right? Number yep. seven is Vampire the Masquerade Rivals. My number six, very different game. Uh, and this is a pretty personal choice. I don't know if a lot of people have this in their list, but I put Stardew Valley, the board game. I really love the original Stardew Valley video game that this is based off of. And this one is a fully cooperative game that basically has all the stuff from that. You're, you have a farm, you're going around to different areas, buying vegetables or seeds to plant them. You're digging in the mines and all these different things, making friends along the way. It's Adorable. I think there's something about the art style and the atmosphere of it that just really speaks to me. It it's definitely can be pretty swingy and kind of random, but I really just liked the overall experience of it and the winning or losing at the end. Well, I think there could be tweaks. In fact, there have been tweaks. They actually, oh, really? the second printing, they have refined a few things here and there. I think some of the cards are different. I'm really curious now because that was one of, I, I mean, I loved, I've never played the, the video game game. But the theme, I was just like, man, I really need to try this video game. Like I know <laughs> yeah. I, that shouldn't have been the thing to push me over, <laughs> but I did love the theme and I almost wanted it. Like I remember talking to you, I didn't like the way it ended. I wish it could just continue and got a scoring mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that kind of sort of just like lifestyle thing. But I totally see where you're coming from and agree with all those points because it, it what the journey was fantastic. Yeah, I love the. I love that there's everything you do is like its own little different mini game. And also, if you're, you know, I usually tend to uh, enjoy games that have lots of variability. And this is one where every time you play, 
the fish that come, the villagers that come out, the tools that you get, the mine cards you see, there's nothing's ever going to be the same twice. Uh, so Stardew Valley for me, not a perfect game, but it's one that I really enjoyed the, the makeup of. I enjoyed my time with it. That's right. my number six. All right. So six for me is one that I honestly feel would rate higher if we've played it more. But it is one that with what time I put into it, I have loved. And in addition, this is probably the one I feel the uh, it's only on there because I never played the first version. And that's the Great Western Trail 2nd Edition. This is a combination of a deck building game. And I don't know if you'd call it worker placement because you're really just moving one guy along a track. You can just two different pathways and stuff. But the 2nd Edition uh, really makes tighten things up and also... The art is very nice and being able to, we played a, only a little bit and during convention, but I actually bought a copy later on and played it more. And I was just like, I'm just loving this. And it's just, I wanted to hit the table a bit more, but like I said, I, it is one that I don't think I have enough, enough experience with to put it higher compared to some of the other things. And I'll definitely need to try it more. Cause I know there's a different uh, not maps, but like worlds and I think some expansions up, but it is one that like, if you've been tired of deck building games, don't throw it off. Trust me. There's so much more than deck building in this. And so this is your, uh, it, it's a re-implementation, but it's new to you. Yeah. One that, on this the is the one that was like, that <laughs> I was just like, this technically should already be on it, but I never, we never played the first one. Right. So it might as well, like I said, there's so many games like that. I'm like, but we've played it. And like cartographers, for example, I think the first one is on our already critical hit list. Yeah, probably <laughs> so. is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, great Western trail. It is one that I did enjoy my brief time with, and I definitely would love to experience more of it. So that's you. That's your number six, mm -hmm. the new edition of great Western trail. So my number five, we're moving on to that, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Yep. So my number five is definitely it's based on another game, but so different. I don't think it falls in the category we were talking about before. And that's Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. Terraforming Mars is definitely a game that we love. It's exploring and terraforming Mars. This is the card game version. And I just found that the, the choosing of the phases and I loved all the weird combos that can come up. It was just so much fun. I will say I never experienced it. Jonathan finally experienced it in the card game, but people said about this with regular Terraforming Mars that you can feel like you have dud turns and stuff. And I feel really bad because I've never had that happen to me. I'm like, I don't know whether it's just that I picked cards right if I'm super lucky, which I do tend to be. But because of that, I never had that negative feeling to me. So that's why it's made it all the way up to five on mine. Yeah. It will not be on my list. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> I won't go into the details here. You can watch our review. <laughs> I will say another big thing that I do agree with you. The, the cards. cards and quality of some of the things the components, are, yeah. but the mechanics are just so much fun. Yeah. I mean, yes, this is, this is one of those rare games. I feel like usually I'm more or less in sync with what I feel like the community at large feels about games, unless it's like, you know, just an indie game or Kickstarter or game. Gloomhaven. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's some, there's some heavy hitters we've had disagreements on, but uh, yeah, this is one that's like a lot of people love it. Like say it's, Oh, it's better than the original. And I felt the opposite way, but I'm glad it's on your list. I don't think I would say better than the original. It's shorter, which is nice, shorter, <laughs> which is nicer, but I'm also, I know a lot of people complain the original, the, the art of the cards and stuff when I was perfectly happy with that. Yeah. So, but it is a great one and it's easy to pick up. 
So that's Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, Will's number five. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, cracking the top five. And cracking my top five is... I think the biggest release this year from Stonemaier Games, Red Rising. Based on a series of books, this is a hand management card game wherein you have all different cards uh, representing different characters with different conditions they want met. So by the end of the game, maybe they'll score points for having other cards of the same color in your hand or for not having certain colors in your hand. And every single card is unique. So it's a big gamble of trying to draw the cards that you want trying to match the cards that you already have or deciding when you should cut your losses and get rid of something to get something better. Uh, uh, we, we reviewed this one earlier in the year and I have my misgivings with the theme and the way it was implemented. I've talked about that in the past at length, but at the end of the day, the game itself I think is really solid and I think it feels... To me, it feels good enough and universal enough that I think this is the kind of game that I'll be able to take down and just play with the group, similar to Wingspan. I don't think it's as good as Wingspan. Well, I don't know. Not it's not not as good as Wingspan, probably. But well, I mean, <laughs> I think someone, I might like it more than Wingspan. As though. someone who <laughs> didn't read the books, yeah, I can tell you that it is totally still exciting to have hit the table. And the mechanics definitely carry it more than the theme, not carry more than the theme, but carry it so that if you're not a fan of the theme, you should be fine unless you really hate anything involving futuristic space stuff. And I don't know <laughs> yeah. what to tell you. Yeah. No, I, I, I can, this was one that uh, a little spoiler just didn't make the list. And I'm really happy you said, it because I do think it is one that is a lot of fun. It's interesting because you have, on one hand, you're so limited with what you have. But I don't feel like this is actually I mentioned uh, in, with Arnak, which a lot of people loved a lot more than I did, which is strange considering it's a deck builder. But I didn't I felt too limited there when this I felt like did the balance perfectly. Like I could get that extra card. There is good ways. There are some times there just bad luck or nothing comes out. But once again, the game's not pushing long enough where you feel like you have to sit for two hours of that. Um, easily it's a game that you could be like, let's play another round afterwards. So mm -hmm. I totally agree with it being, yeah, this is one that I think people could throw the exact same complaint against me, as we said for Ares expedition. <laughs> That's like, if you don't draw the right cards, you could just be stuck or bored. I will also want to point out it's as of, um, I can think of, it's one of the few games granted it's the deluxe version where the, well, even the regular version of card quality is fine, but does something that I wish more card companies did with the gold foiling. <laughs> we love gold foiling. Well, it's the it's holographic. <laughs> this is my complaint, like with magic and other things. Like I feel sometimes it looks lazy, but this is like, it's, it, it fits the card it designs. And of course, thematically it is on point. It's a Stonemeyer game, so you know it's going to have really pretty <laughs> stuff to look at. So yeah, just a solid all-around game. I I do really think this game for me needs an expansion, and I th I think with an expansion that adds like just one or two more layers of stuff to do on the, like another board or something. I think for me that will raise this to being like a, an excellent game. And right now I just think it's very good but still right. enough to make my, my number five. So next is my number four game. And number four for me is Final Girl from uh, Van Ryder Games. And this is another one of those games that's technically based on an older title, but I think this one definitely earns its own place. It does enough new different stuff. Uh, based on the hostage negotiator system, their previous game, this is a horror-themed game only for one player, wherein you are the titular final girl trying to escape some kind of demon or monster or serial killer or something like that. 
And it takes everything I enjoyed about Hostage Negotiator, the relatively simple setup, fast play, suspenseful, exciting, swingy, dramatic tension. Uh, but adds more depth to it. There's a board in this one you're moving around. There's more things to do. And it's a little bit more forgiving. Uh, it's not, I don't think, quite as harsh, although it is still, it can be fairly difficult depending on what happens. I mean, we you can go watch Jonathan's playthrough of Hostage Negotiating Career, which is sort of the campaign version. And watching that, there were times I'm like, man, you just keep getting like, ruined by the game. I don't even feel like you're making a poor choice or anything. Yeah. So uh, when you told me about Final Girl and how it made this, I'm like, I imagine it was just like, uh, okay, how can we make it so Hostage Negotiator don't have as many of those bad feeling times? Like, keep the suspense. You you can have suspense and bat, not have the bad feelings. And yeah. it sounds like it, they did a pretty good job at that. Yeah, it's still, there's a lot of dice rolling. So, you know, it's still that thing. But for me, for a solo game, that's it's kind of like the perfect oh, amount of yeah, that. No, I mean, we've played plenty of games that we love with dice rolling. It's just there comes a point sometimes when just the dice are so balanced in such a weird way. And I don't mean like unbalanced dice rolls, but like just what, what you can happen with a roll yeah. feels bad. Yeah, yeah. So this, so final, and I love the theme. I oh yeah, I, I, I mean, love I love the different horror themes that they have going on. There's multiple different sets you can mix and match. So again, a lot of variability and replayability, especially good for a solo game because every time you sit down, you can say, oh, I'll try this girl with that monster. I haven't tried that combo yet. Mm -hmm. Or even within just one location, there's a lot of different items or events that can come up that aren't going to be the same every time. So I think they I think they knocked it out of the park. I think they they spent so much time on hostage negotiator and expansions. I feel like final girl is like they're the perfect version of that. The final it's the final. It's the final. <laughs> so final girl is my number four. All right. So from four and up for me, and I'm doing this a little bit of Clarence, all these games were ones that I really tried to honestly trick people into getting to the table more because I'm like, I really want to play this more <laughs> or, or like felt super bad because like oh, another person came to hit. Now we can't play it anymore or something like that for the uh -huh. most part. Like they are, uh, were unarguably for me, like ones that I just want to keep playing over and over. And this one is, I know is going to be a, uh, just a me pick. There is no other reviewer anywhere out there. who's going to put this in top 10, just me. And that's the Digimon card game. Technically it had early 2020, but the official was 2021. I, maybe um, I'm wrong. Was I think this was an honorable mention for you last year. I said I wasn't sure, but I, I, the official one's doing this. I want to have two years seal. in a row. Yeah, you know, I don't care. On the mechanics they have here are so great. How they dealed with the, as you said, the problem with mana and magic. The way that you play cards is that you have a track and you can be at like five memory. And if you go over to zero, that's when your opponent's turn starts. So you can sort of gamble. And also they only have that much. So if you start them at one, they only have one energy to deal with. So it becomes this sort of resource management game of trying not to give your opponent too much stuff. And they've also made it so drawing every color has it, which is one of the most important things. So you don't have anyone like blue's too powerful and stuff. It's two real biggest weakness, honestly, are it's a trading card game that's always, if you don't, whether you like it or not. And it's now. Digimon. <laughs> yes, honestly. I think if this was Star Wars, you would love it. I think that was Maybe. the problem. Like, just like Star Wars Destiny. I honestly am like, that's the one that feels bad because you have to, like, find the fans of it. If this was just, like, Star Wars or even, like, you know, generic Cthulhu or little f cute forest creatures or something. 
I wouldn't be nearly as having to convince people to give it a shot. It is very funny to me that what are the two biggest weaknesses of the Digimon trading card game? Yeah. <laughs> Digimon and well, that's trading card I game. mean, the mechanics are so great right, to right. me. That's you wish it was a standalone yes. and not maybe the, the Digimon. But for you, those things, for you, those are not weaknesses. You're yes, not, but those I mean, you're saying, getting people to the table. Right. But I mean, I brought this to... Every kind of game, big gaming event we had, and I got convinced one person who wasn't Jonathan to play with me because I'm not going to put you through that. I will, in all likelihood, never play this game. <laughs> but but it's it's yours. It's it's you, and I'm glad that you have it. So that's the Digimon training and card also, game. And also, I will say, compared for other training card games, very fairly distributed in terms of getting like at cards. Like it comes with two rares and things like that. So very nice, at least in that sense. Okay. And they fixed the promo issues I talked in my review. Okay, so moving on. To actual board games again. Number three, this is a, a another late edition, but one I've, I've been having a lot of fun playing a bunch of solo mode with because it has it, is Cascadia. This is a tiling game. It's made by the same people as, of course, I'm forgetting. The, Calico. The ca- Calico, thank you. In which you are building up in an environment and with animals. So the way it works, you will draft tiles, but also tokens with animals. And certain tiles can only hold certain animals. And... At the beginning of the game, you're going to choose different cards to show how bears score. Maybe they only score in pairs. Maybe they want to have be alone. And the same thing with the salmons, the bird, the elk, the foxes. And there's so much fun stuff going on with that and choosing how to pick different things. And you come up with this really cute board. But what I like more than Calco on it is when Calco is very fixed in where you can place things and how big. This can be – you can have a really weird shape. And playing the single-player mode has been a huge – really fun thing because the achievements i think they have achievements for the multiplayer too but i think it's a single player because like where it really shines is like all right i want you to try these scoring cards and you need to have the foxes score their maximum point value this many times while also hitting a score value of this it becomes so much more of a fun puzzle that you get to mark off and do things and when i first brought it to the table for all of us to play i remember thinking actually worried this seems too simple but when we're playing, all of a sudden, all the decisions we're making and having fun discussing, like, oh, I did this. Oh, we got that kind of environment. Oh, um, I have five water. Whoever has the most water gets extra points. If I take this tile, I'm beating you now. So there's a lot of interesting decisions that way as well. So I just really enjoying it. I've been kept playing it afterwards. I really enjoyed Cascadia as well. I don't know if I want to say more about it uh, or if I'll save it so we could talk in the end about differences or not between yeah. our list. It didn't make my list, uh, but but I but I did really like it. Uh, yeah. So that was your number four? Three. three? So now my number three? Yep. All right. Jonathan's number three. That's me. Oh, what the? I somehow opened a drawing app on my phone and I've been absentmindedly <laughs> drawing scribbles. I don't know how that happened. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got to go back to just, I hope I didn't just like draw a picture over my best games list (laughs) well you're gonna have to guess now what are your top three what have i what have i done oh here it is i somehow made it a list okay no okay i got it it's fine i can see it all right (laughs) here is now my number three uh of 2021 the number three game and for this one we're really getting into the these are the big ones folks top three i chose the initiative as my number three the initiative is a game from uh (laughs) who just came from fantasy flight and started his own company. So I was very interested to see 
what would this game be? His first game not in the Fantasy Flight brand. In some ways, it does feel kind of like a Fantasy Flight game and some of the uh, the structure, I think, of the way it works. But it is a campaign game, fully co-op, about a group of kids who discover a game. So you're playing a game within a game. And as you play, you're reading comics that tell you the story. And each mission, the goal of the game is to decipher a code by picking up uh, and searching for different code pieces around the board and figuring out what they mean. And there's a lot of fun, puzzly things that happen in between rounds as well as during the game itself. It is a fairly simple, straightforward co-op game. The way you play it almost kind of like a almost a pandemic style, I would say, like board cleanup sort of thing. Uh, so there's nothing too groundbreaking about that, but it's all the trappings around it, the atmosphere and the little details that make it really special to me. And I love these types of puzzles, these types of mysteries, and they found a way to incorporate that into a traditional board game format that feels very fresh, very different, and for us has been a lot of fun uh, to play. And it, it's another one of those, usually when we talk about games that are like, oh, let's just play one more round. Those are usually the party games that will take 10 minutes. And this is one where each game might take you eh, 30, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour. Uh, but it still feels like we want to do one more and see the next part of the story. It's It's got some good stuff going on. So yeah, The Initiative, I think it's a really strong title from an experienced designer. I mean, this is one of the ones that definitely falls under the Oh, hi, I arrived. And we're like, and I'm just like, ah, oh, someone arrived. <laughs> someone arrived. We can't, <laughs> we can't play. play. Yeah, because we play with two players, but you can play up to four. And I just love all the ways they've hidden things in there without saying too much. I will say this. There is a puzzle on the outside of the box before you buy it. So in your line, you can try and solve. That's right. Like it has, it does all of it so well. Of how, like, just like Cascadia, it's like, Oh, this seems so simple, but somehow you're like, I, I got to keep playing it. If, I want more. If you're looking for something to do, go to Barnes & Noble and you get a free <laughs> mini game just looking at the box. You, you know, know everyone's just in line in the board game section. Just <laughs> for the journal I didn't the solve it yet. All right. So my number three is the initiative. And now my number two. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Really getting down there. I don't really need to reference it. I remember what it is. My number two is... A big game, one of my most anticipated games of the year, and still a game that even putting it so high on my list, I am somewhat conflicted about its position. But that game is Oath, Chronicles of Empire and Exile, I say, as I struggle to remember the right order of the words in the title. From Leader Games, from Cole Worley, who did Root, another one of my all-time favorite games, this is a competitive area control game that really is unlike any other, quite like any other that I have played. Uh, it has... Uh, it's a fairly heavy game. You're not asymmetric factions like Root, but it has a similar uh, level of teaching that you need to get across. And they even have a walkthrough in the book, which I actually think is great for first-time players. And the game is all about trying to control different areas, uh, fighting with each other over those areas, but it's not necessarily a combat-heavy game. It doesn't feel like a Risk or a Rising Sun or something like that in the sense that you're always trying to fight each other. There's more going on. You have individual powers. Uh, and, of course, the big gimmick of the game is that as you play, each time a game ends there is stuff that carries over into the next so that every time you play the setup, it's different. There's different cards in the mix. Players have different positions depending on how the previous game ended. And I really love that type of meta stuff in a game. Uh, you know, for me, innovation and ambition go a long way. And I think 
the biggest weak spot I potentially see in this title is just that I'm worried I won't get the full benefit of it because I feel like you really want a consistent group, even though you don't have to, you're free to mix and match. I feel like the most, get the most out of it. You're going to want that group from week to week, but I, I want to praise it and reward it for just being so big and expansive and interesting and provoking discussions at both of the strategy at the table and after playing that really made me think and I, that the kind of game design that is very ambitious that I, I like having those thoughts and ideas about games that not every game provokes some games that I really love. You know, I love the initiative. Like I said, it's number three, but when we're done playing, I'm not like spending the night thinking about, Oh man, if you went over there, if you did went over there, Oath is a game that really feels like there's so many interesting angles. Like you could write a thesis about Oath and I would be, and I would read it. <laughs> I, I probably won't write it, but I'll read yours. Uh, so that's my, that's my number two. It's got, like you said, extremely interesting way that it transfers over. The one thing I actually regret about it that I assume this came with a collector's edition. I don't know if you have it. We just didn't do it. Was that there was a journal and you only. You can buy that separately yeah. as an add-on. Yeah. And I love the idea of like, oh, we actually should explain like as I claim the artifact and go through a little drawing. But that's because I like drawing and stuff. So that's more <laughs> of that story. For the, yeah, right. Oh, man, why didn't we do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand afterwards, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, that's so we're there. moving on to my number two. Your number two. My number two is going to Cantaloupe. This is actually a single-player-only game in which it's going to actually have chapters in which you are playing as a thief who got caught and is returning to get his revenge. But the play style, you flip through a book and you'll read different sections using one of those old school, you know, red pieces of plastic and something's hidden and stuff. And I think the best way to describe it is it's a pointing, it's a point and click. That's the word. Some reason my head's like that's I mean, the clicked order. point, right? <laughs> no. Like, and it has that same humor as the old ones, and it was just so much fun, and never made me feel guilty of making the wrong choice. It all worked out so well that I never wanted to stop playing it. Like I said, like while it's not tricking people to table, I said with the top four, it's one that I just was like, let's keep going, let's keep going. <sighs> We're over done. I have to wait for part two. <laughs> you know, I, I can't. I just always wanted to keep going with it. Yeah, this is to be clear. This is book one mm -hmm. was released this year in the U.S. and it's called Breaking Into Prison. Yeah, I think it released earlier, but we both are like, no, we got it this year. The English edition was 2021 and uh, they already have in the works books two and three. It's going to be a three-part series, all of the same storyline. Right. And I think they also said they're making like a kids, like a spinoff yeah. for kids. Well the system itself, I'm more than happy if they did. We now have a pirate storyline now. We now have a space storyline. I just think it works so well. And in fact, I would love it if, like, after, obviously, this storyline concludes, if they actually go back and, like, talk whoever still has the copyrights of, like, the Sierra games and then Space Quest, the return of yeah. the return. <laughs> I mean, you know I'm a LucasArts boy, so I, I, I'm i all about the Them, too. Islands. Like, I just yeah. – it's it's so much fun. Yeah. And it worked really well. So, yeah, yeah that was you, my number two. You so. tricked yourself into playing that game. <laughs> You're like, come on, there's nobody around. Play it. Uh, All yes. right. Cantaloupe. So number now Will's number one pick. As you know, we like to share things. So this seems been pretty different, uh, like different ones going on. One of them, mm -hmm. some of them are pretty obvious why they're different. But my number one, I would was certain was going to be on your list as well. And I'm wondering if you think it was my number one. And I'll that's tell you afterwards. The initiative. This was... 
Same thing, but the multiplayer story aspect, simple yet so complex. Every time that you like, all right, uh, we should stop now. We think it's this puzzle. And when we flip it over and find out it is, and we're excited, oh my God, let's go again. It, it just did everything I wanted in, well, I guess what would be a campaign or legacy game without making me feel guilty that we need to finish it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a campaign game, but it's not one where you have like stats that carry over. Or you're worried about XP or upgrades or necessarily even, even winning or losing a mission. Although we currently have a perfect win record. <laughs> We're really good at it. <laughs> and I think you also remarked on the fact that it has what we feel like a great mix of word and number puzzles mm -hmm. uh, that are very are fun to solve and can be tricky but so far and uh, we haven't finished the game so maybe by the end there's some more complicated stuff but it all feels like it's within your grasp you can figure it out and I we know for a fact there are plenty more after the main storyline too so it's not one of those things that are like well it's done which I mean that's what like uh, Cantaloupe is done you know most of the things you could probably still go around and find those achievements but I just feel like it was just it did it, it scratched all the things like story, mystery, you know, game simple game mechanics, but still making interesting decisions. It, I I loved every part of it. <laughs> should I reveal if I guessed it, or should yeah, I wait until not? after? Uh, right. You know what? <laughs> Say your number one, then we'll both reveal what we thought each other's number one was. Okay, all right. So back to me for my number one game of 2021. Uh, uh, and f folks, I'm a simple man uh, with simple pleasures. <laughs> it doesn't take much Tic to make me happy. No, 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 no. My my number one game is. Cantaloupe, book one, breaking into prison. <laughs> now, for I feel like for a large swath of our audience, they might have spent the last 10 minutes going, huh? Because I don't think this game was on a lot of people's radars. It did not make a big splash. It wasn't nominated for any big awards. I haven't seen it talked about very much anywhere. As we said, this is a book, essentially a game in book form that imitates the point-and-click puzzle style of classic 90s PC adventure games, which for me is catnip. It's very nostalgic. That's my favorite type of experience in, in video games. I love that style of game. And I feel like we have seen several games in the past that in some way try to emulate that. Chronicles of Crime kind of tries to do it. A lot of the escape rooms try to do it. There's the, literally the series called Adventure Games, right, that tries to do it. For me, this is by far the best adaptation oh, yeah. of that and to a board game. I want to be clear. I did not play a lot of those as a kid, so this is not nostalgia talk. I, to me, yeah. it's just <laughs> yeah. the humor is on point. It's which many of those games are known for their humor. The style is like the video games, not the Sierra games though, I guess, which are unforgiving. That's why for it me, is this forgiving. is more LucasArts yes. because that's when you can't I, die. I just know those watching and, and I watched later on in life and stuff. And I just like the idea, the theme of the humor of like, you're going through and you can just do and like, I'm going to interact with that thing. Your character will just be like, why do you care about TV so much? You know, <laughs> right, like right. very fourth wall breaking stuff. The way also though, how it's designed, how you pull things out and you have little envelopes so you can save if you want to. And 
I played Jonathan's copy. That's how it worked. And you could pass along and you can talk about like, what you even did? Oh, you got that? How'd you get that? It just, yeah, I, I mean, it does so much right. Yeah, technically you can uh, play this with multiple players. I, I played it as a single player game, which I think makes the most sense. I could see two two players kind of working together and playing through it. Uh, it's very clever with the way it gives you items and the way the puzzles work and how you combine things. It, it always more or less makes sense even though it is jokey and funny. It also has a great hint system in the back. Mm-hmm. So for me, this is a, it feels like a very personal choice for me. It almost feels, um, I'm almost like a selfish choice in that I do you think- like my number four. A little bit like that <laughs> in that it's not the game that's like Oath for me is the game that I'm like, the design of that is something that I feel like for the next five years, other games might be taking inspiration from. You know, there's there's stuff in there that really is like, wow, I've never seen a game do this. This is more like it's just personally for me just made me so happy. <laughs> that, oh, I usually just think you have my list as that. Other yeah. people are like, no one, Will, what's wrong with your list? I'm like, but this made me enjoy. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's there's nothing wrong yeah, with that. And, well, and that's why I said for me, Mike, I liked all these games. In fact, there are a lot of games that didn't make the list I like, but for my top four in particular, I remember thinking – There were so many times I was trying to like, how can I get this to the table? Be like, how can I make time to play the single player version? How can I get to play this with other people? Can I convince other people to play this? Or do we, I'm hoping no one else shows up so we can play it kind of thing. Like that kind of feeling, like maybe they're not everyone's top 10, but I know for me, they gave me such this excitement to have the, able to chance to play them. Game night is canceled tonight. Cause I want to play cantaloupe <laughs> and final girl. <laughs> you guys aren't coming over this week. Now, uh, okay. Yeah. You ready to reveal? Yeah. So, uh, my number one that you uh, predicted, that I, I predicted, say. uh, you have to scroll for it. So yeah, I, guess I do. It... I put it off the side. <laughs> I misspelled it, but as you can see, you wrote cantaloupe. Guess what? I predicted the initiative for yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, re- I remember how, I feel like of all I've the com- games no, we played, I commented. How many times did I say, <laughs> "Oh, we are here"? You were definitely were the most excited and uh, seeming about that about that game. So there you go. We know each other well enough, mm-hmm. and that was our initiative. Was my number three, and Cantaloupe was your number two. So clearly, we're very much in sync. I think those are our I, favorites. I, yeah, I do think there are things that we are very different on. For example, you will rate anything that has a hidden role or traitor much higher than I versus. TCGs for me, but both of us, when it comes to mysteries, stories, and puzzles, if the game does it right and doesn't feel like really quick, we both just like magnets just straight to them. And a good narrative too. Yeah. Those are definitely. And both of them do. Yeah. The stories are great in both of them. I mean, obviously they're both, they overlap for us in a lot of ways. Yes, completely. Let's quickly, I just want to reread for people our top tens just to sum it up. Uh, Mine was in order from 10 to one, Bristol 1350, picture perfect, Descent, Vampire the Masquerade Rivals, Stardew Valley, Red Rising, Final Girl, The Initiative, Oath, and Cantaloupe. Mine, starting at 10, it was Dinosaur Island, Rar and Right, then Super Mega Lucky Box, then we've got Maglev Metro, then Dominant Species Marine, then the second edition of Great Western Trail, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, the Digimon card game, Cascadia, Cantaloupe, and then The Initiative. So what are the ones that we had in common? Cantaloupe, The Initiative, was that it? I think that was it. Wow. I'm That's kind of shocking to me. Also, an honorable mention for me was unfathomable for you as Bristol. So we kind Bristol, of shared yeah. Bristol. Um, I'm pretty surprised you didn't have Vampire the Masquerade on your list. That one uh, was one of the ones that was on there initially and got and just got pushed out. Um, I think because I think it does a system that's great. It's just not, well, something for me not as 
Orton, but I think it does it right. Mm. And I'm a little um, surprised that uh, Descent, I thought, maybe might be on there somewhere, too. Uh, the, my problem with Descent— I knew Oath wasn't going to be on there. <laughs> um, I guess I'll talk about both of those. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty— I don't, I don't think I have to argue about— We talked about why you find art on yours. Um, yeah. For Descent, it was one of those things where I do feel like after we played around, we were just exhausted— and that's not a bad thing per se, but it was enough to be like, it's not on there. It's one I want to keep playing. Don't get me wrong. I think they did a, I am in, in your camp where I'm happy more or less, sort of. Um, <laughs> I'm happy more or less, sort well, of. <laughs> I, not, like, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I will say, I'm. it's also one of the big things, also the price in that's book one. <laughs> As someone who has- an, Act one. Act one, sorry. <laughs> Oath for me, I'm just- I didn't see those things that you talked about as much in terms of the, like not the ending thing. The ending thing is completely, I agree with you on all that stuff. More of the general mechanics. I'm a little confusing too with how the ending would work. Like if you switch players are like, is that thing stay in? And sometimes I'm like, well, it doesn't seem that different afterwards when you shuffle. It's still, it's a different goal, but still like one, of, you still could win that way. You just need you, uh, not a fortune card where the Visions. a vision would come <laughs> out because that's the way the things shift. But I think it was just not the game style that spoke to me as much while playing it. And maybe, who you know, as always with all these lists every year, we might play these games more and our opinions will change. Yeah. So I do have a, a couple of things I do want to mention. Yeah, let's talk about runners-up. Yeah. And with things that you really like. Well, liked. we mentioned, like I said that. Yeah. Uh, one of them I want to mention because I know a lot of people ask about expansions. So I do have a couple expansions here, but I want to do it in the runner-up because this game didn't make my list because it needs the expansions to me. And that's regular Dinosaur World. I thought that, to me, the bases in the end, all the games I played, was I would still do a very similar strategy. I don't think it was nearly as interesting. I felt actually very limited with the Jeep tours. But when you throw the expansions in, there's a lot more of, like, I'm actually happy with how I build things, even if my Jeep doesn't visit there, because, like, the mammals actually want to see what's built around them more. The C1 is actually fantastic if you play the single-player mode, because the dinosaurs don't escape as much. And the hybrids are have this high-risk reward and make things a lot easier if, like, not a lot of herbivores come out, because you have something that counts as both. So to me, Dinosaur World would have made me on list if you count the expansions. And while I did include the expansions in my review talk, to me, I did cut out of the list because I'm like, if you just get the base, it's not as good. So raw and right made it over over. Yeah, well, because you actually make your park, and I feel like everything's important. When, when playing Dinosaur uh, World, I talked about it, I felt like half your tiles were junk. Yeah, you don't At least want, for that's me, no good. that's what happened. And I felt like it was very easy to go into a the same strategy. Anything else that didn't quite make your list? Uh, well, that, we already talked about a bunch. For example, uh, Red Rising, really enjoyed that a lot. Mm -hmm. I honestly, a lot of things said Vampire Masquerade. I mentioned Cartographer Heroes and Horrified American Monsters, mostly because I'm like, well, the, the, I don't think you would tell if you played the other version, but I do love them. And I love the American crypt, not, uh, yeah, cryptozoology. Thank you. Yeah. I was about to say cryptocurrency. Not cryptocurrency. <laughs> um, I do think those are really, there's a Yeti both coin. really good games that you should check out. It's just they have other versions we've already talked about probably before. Yeah. Ones for me that, again, I'm <laughs> so sorry. I don't know why my – I'm stuck I on do, a you – will, I will say one more while you're finding that. Um, Brew was one I've had – I enjoyed a lot, but I felt like need to play more. And also there is a, some randomness with the dice, I think. Once again, I had a lot of, th I loved all the games that are on my list, but Pandasaurus did really good this year. I will say that. <laughs> There's a lot of things that they, uh, I kept noticing like Pandasaurus, Pandasaurus, Pandasaurus. Wow. You know what just 
What? I mean, you just saying that right now. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, what was it? <laughs> wow, and it wasn't on it wasn't on your list either. And I honestly forgot about it. And I feel like it could have it could have kind of deserves a spot. And now I feel, there's always uh, the I'm one now view. really curious what it is. Uh, that time you killed me because two player. I will say two player games have a much harder time with me. Hmm. But that one does do something so unique that it is something worth taking a look at if that is your jam. I have to be honest. I almost feel like that might have nudged out something of like my number 10 spot for my list. This I, just an update. You know, I think now we have to put an update. I, I completely forgot about it because I did think, so that time you killed me. Was the, uh, and I think, yeah. do you think it's fair if someone might point out, well, if you forgot about it, why is it on your list? It was very end of the year. Like that's We played a it a week or two weeks so ago. So you might be so, you forgot. Yeah, and that it's a it's a two. I do think that game has some a really strong. I, I'm gonna keep my list as it is. I won't I won't make changes. I, I'm gonna live with it. I still like my other ten games, but yeah, that in terms of talking about you know the games that like do something different, ambitious, oh, yeah. innovative, that's a really cool game. I mean, I said in the review, if you like two player games, you should look at it. Yeah, you should pick it up. And that's another one, sort of like kind of it has a lot of great humor in it. Yeah, yeah, funny, funny stuff in the rule book. Um, some uh, some of the ones that for me were in the category, as we said, of not different enough. Uh, even, there was one, even though it was new to me, I didn't include uh, the reprint of Galaxy Trucker, which does have, which I did really, really like, but. Just, it's I like the same it's game. only because you had the old one, but you never had the time to play it. <laughs> never. It was the first time I played it, but uh, yeah, it was still, you know, it's the same game pretty much. Um, same same with Quest, which is very similar to The Resistance, mm -hmm. um, but I do like it a lot. Um, there was another one that was in that category, and now I can't quite remember what it was because I, I couldn't get my phone to work. Um, another one, another ones that are just runners up for me. Cryo, I did really enjoy. I like, but didn't get yeah, to play that much. I didn't actually get to play that one. So uh, I work, know that was yeah. Worker placement, sci-fi game from Z man, pretty, very solid worker placement game. Uh, so Clover, pretty fun party word game. Didn't make my list mainly just because I felt like it didn't, I, I feel like I already have four of those games, mm -hmm. even though I did enjoy my time with it. Um, yeah, those, those are, those are some, oh, you know, another, another one I did, I also really liked was a gentle rain from, uh, Mondo. That was a cute one. A very fun, like tile placement, very calming, mostly solo game. So, uh, before we go to the regrets, I want to just go over the expansions. Obviously, like I said, the dinosaur world expansions are top notch and you should pick them up. If you want to do dinosaur world, get those too. But some other ones that I, to me were fun. This is no particular order because they're expansions, and I feel like that's much harder because it depends on the game. Mm -hmm. uh, Arkham Horror, I'm always a fan of those. The Secrets of the Order was fun for that. But the big one I want to point out is The Edge of the Earth because I did get that. I haven't played through the whole campaign, but uh, let me tell you, John, that I'm really angry that they didn't start off the card, the LCG like this because the box is actually really nice. You have all the rules in a ring binder and stuff. It like I don't want to separate this in my. I want to have boxes now. I almost want to buy the core collection. I have the cards already, but I want like books now. On the, it works really well. That's so cool. I want to point out. I want to point out also uh, Dark Titans or Key Forge because I really mm. thought the tide mechanic was a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for me. And then this is just a cute one, but Goblins for Smash Up. I love the coin flipping in them and all stuff. So if you got Smash Up, that's a really cute pack to pick up. Uh, another one that I, I also did like from earlier in the year is Cubitos. Yeah. Oh, pretty fun. Pretty fun. I know game. it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, another one of those ones. Maybe yeah, you forgot. That was about. definitely no. I remembered it, and I just for some reason didn't type it here. But that was definitely falls under the 
a su big surprise for me. You're looking like, what is this weird Cuban, like, like not uh, Lederhosen, is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah, it's, there's and, some weird theming in that game. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Cheese Cube. Cheese Cube. <laughs> yes. All right, so games that we didn't get the chance to play that yeah. we think maybe would have made our list or we're just sad we didn't get to I'm, play. I've got four here. All right. So first one is Hadrian's Wall. This goes against Dinosaur Island Raw in terms of complicated big role. Was Hadrian's Wall was this year? That wasn't a 2020? That's what I was seeing. Yeah, okay. I looked it up unless I'm wrong. I'm I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, so I goes with that. Big role in right. Yeah. Look uh, this one I know would have made our list, but we only did one chapter and we didn't have a chance to actually play through it. And that's the role player adventures. Like, I think oh. that would have been an easy pickup for both of us. We just never got it. It's hard with campaign games in particular and when we get the time. To that's also it. a game that was on Kickstarter that's almost like it's one of those gray areas of like, well, did it come out in 2021? No, no. I mean, well, that's the thing. thing Digimon had the earliest in 2020, but the actual official release. Right, like retail versus yeah. it went out to backers or whatnot. Or, yeah. uh, this one, <laughs> I enjoyed a lot when we played it. The This is actually did the Kickstarter preview. We, so we played a copy on the digital, and that's Bullet. Oh yeah, I really thought that was a fun bag builder, and was wish I got a, a physical version. Probably will eventually because I did think that was really good. Bullet from that's from level ninety nine. Yeah, that's a really and this game. one <laughs> I do think would have made our list again. Let's go into it. But I pre ordered it in January, and it arrived two days ago. And anyone who's played it, I think, would agree with us. It wasn't worth rushing it, and that's Sleeping Gods. Yeah, Sleeping Gods, big campaign game, open-ended kind of narrative game from Red Raven uh, that, yeah, definitely that is probably for me one of the ones that we've been anticipating for a long time. Yeah, it was really annoying because I remember hearing people talk about how good it is. I'm like, oh, my pre-order is still... Yeah. yeah, this is what I get for not backing. This is why you back on Kickstarter. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> so your top 10 list is update. No. I do think that is probably of all the games that we talked about, the one that... I'm just guessing. I could be, maybe it wouldn't, but probably would have been on at least one of our lists had we played a few games. I, I have no question that that and the, like that and Adventure would have had the best chance of getting on there. I honestly think. Role sleeping, player adventures. Yeah, role player adventures. And I think both of them in particular, probably Sleeping Gods, just from what I know and have heard, had a chance to break into both of our top threes. No, oh, pretty strong, strong words, but we'll, we'll never know. Uh, the, another one for me that I uh, wish I had the chance to get to the table is Burgle Bros 2. Mm -hmm. uh, really like the original Burgle Bros, and this one has a lot of uh, different improvements upon it. So, that, but, other, and then, but other than that, Sleeping Gods. I, this year, we, not as many big regrets for me in terms of what we didn't get to play. We played a lot of games this yeah, year. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't big regrets as much as maybe, I think my biggest regret is just sometimes some of them didn't get the light they deserved. And I mean, like, I agree with you completely in the case of Oath, you know, yeah. just the time. And, because sometimes it needs a lot more time with these stuff. And it's much harder to make sure we all get together for the right thing and stuff. But there were a lot of games. Sleeping God's really, in the, like I said, the two I said were the biggest ones to miss just because I feel like they're big games that I know as big thematic people we would like. But there, it also felt like a lot of games, as I said, it sounded like you two were like, I've played this before, though. Does it count? <laughs> or yeah. yeah, this is what I want to say, kind of, uh, you know, looking back at our list and also at 2021 as a whole, in terms of the kinds of games that came out and everything like that. I, I, may, I don't know if I'm just, uh, I think as I get older and more jaded and we play all these games, I think I'm getting harder to please, <laughs> to be honest. I had some difficulty making this list in the sense that, there were several games that I felt like 
those are those were good games, but that I didn't quite get so excited enough about that I was like, oh, that's definitely a top 10. Honestly, I kind of struggled a little bit to decide what to fill out my list with. Not because there were so many fighting, but because it was like, yeah, I liked that one. Is it a top 10? Uh, it could be. I'm not sure. Is there something better? I see where you're coming from. And I don't think it's, at least for me, the way I viewed it was not jaded as much as there are a lot of games out there. And I think there are a lot that fit the, this is a good game, you know, if someone brought it to the table. I don't think it's very common now for, at least for us, outside of, I think that would be more of a personal preference rather than a badly designed game that we're like, uh, you know, like that. <laughs> grown to the I hate table. making that noise. But because of that, I think after we played all of them, we're not just comparing the top 10 to this year. I think we compare them to all the other years. Sure. Because, you know, if we were doing our top 10 of all time, it's much harder. Well, let's look at Battlestar. How would all 10 of these games get thrown into Battlestar? Like, how many of these do you think would crack your uh, make a new top 10? Or do you think the top 20 that we made is still intact? And I would say it probably still is pretty close. I think these... It's very hard when there's something that just you love, whether it be a new mechanic or something, not a new mechanic, a classic mechanic that you love. And it's just like, that was the first time I saw it implemented that way. And that's how I like to see it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very hard to see that, that you have. And that's, I think, the bigger issue is it's hard to just look at 2021. And I will say, by the way, there was a lot of 2021 great hits that are 2020 games I didn't get to play. That I'm, that I'm mm. not even bringing up. Right. And not, <laughs> not in the sense of like... It, Kickstarter 2021. I mean, like it was officially released, no question 2020. But right. because of what's going on, the, didn't know. hit the table until this year. Yeah, I mean, also just really my bottom five. Uh, I think so many of them are like Descent, Red Rising, um, Vampire the Masquerade. A lot of the Stardew Valley two are all games that I feel like are flawed in some way. And the, the, I really enjoyed, but it's like, oh, with an expansion or with this or that. And that does kind of bum me out that it was really only like, my, I feel like my top three or four are really the ones that I was like, that's a 10 out of 10, like they nailed it. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just, I don't know, I'm getting more critical and uh, I think harder to please. The other thing I think, which speaks to what you were just saying that I think we do have to acknowledge is that until June of this year, we were not playing games in person. So this is still a weird year, even though we did get vaccinated, we've been having in-person game nights. There is still, there was a big period of time when there wasn't a lot well, even, for us to do. Even then, I would say with our own game nights, and I don't know what your all experiences are, that they, for whatever reason, I felt became much more unpredictable in terms of the player counts. I feel like before, like we always had swings, but we could guarantee three to four was a safe bet. It wasn't anymore. Sometimes we had a huge amount. Sometimes we, like one of us couldn't even make in something or something would happen or someone come just as we set up like the, the, the initiative or something. So we didn't play that. It just felt like it was much harder to feel we knew what we could play. No one knows how to do things anymore <laughs> since being quarantined. Everyone's still trying to uh, work their way back into society. And, you know, now we've got Omicron. And not to end on that down, no, but we might be heading back to that place or well, not. I don't know. Then going back to uh, something you mentioned in the very beginning, yeah. seeing more and more games that have a strong solo player mode are going to be something that I think we're going to appreciate a whole lot more. As well as games you can play somewhat easily online with people. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, well, this wasn't this year, but I know one of the big ones last year that we both agreed was the Forgot, Forgotten, Forgotten Waters. Forgotten Waters, yeah. yeah. And, you know, RPGs are finding more ways to do that and stuff. And I will say... Rolling rights, mm, do a lot of that. Those are pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just feel that's the general trend is we're going to see, I think, a lot more single-player games or things that are easy to either have a digital component or just even like a, 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 as a webcam, you know, not even a great one to play these games with. Or we're going to see a lot more of those. Yeah. So a weird year, a weird year overall. And personally, I've found that uh, maybe a less than stellar year in terms of board game releases, but still, I I do feel still, I stand behind the ones on my list. That's what I felt like, man, this was a great year. It's just <laughs> that a lot of them were game, like based off games before that, I mean, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. Personally, I did feel like, there wasn't as much that really blew my mind. Uh, but, but that, but that's me. And I do still feel kind of bad about, uh, that time you killed me. Cause I do think that was a strong game, but that's all right. It has a, that one gets a, a translucent seal. It's not filled in yet. You know what the problem was? It, it was on your list. But someone time traveled and mm, took it off. Maybe that's what it is. But you had a uh, dinosaur island. We gave Pandasaurus some love this year. But those are our list. That's our that's our top ten list. That's what we thought overall. I am sure that you watching this have thoughts and opinions about our list. Maybe you think who do you side with? Was this year a great year for board games or not as good of a year? And what's your top ten? What were your favorite games? Were they anything that we mentioned, or are there games we didn't even talk about? that are going in your top 10 list. I'm sure there are. God knows my thing had a, my Excel sheet had so many games listed. In <laughs> uh, yeah. Let us know in the comment section. I really, I'm interested to hear what people thought about this year's games. Till then, I'm Will. I am Jonathan. Have a good 2021 for what's left of it. Cause <laughs> this is World for Crit. That's right. See you in 2022.